0: This is what we have to do every time. Even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, darn right, it is. Welcome into the program. What's up? It's a Monday. It's a brand-new week, the final couple of days of January. Can you believe, man, that we are already one month into 2023? Absolutely astonishing. Welcome into the program, and boy, do we have a lineup for you today. Hopefully, you had a wonderful weekend. We'll do some weekend recaps here in just a little bit, but it's The Voice series Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, but we are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV stations, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program, you're a millennial general reporting for duty like we do every Single day, big show lined up for you as usual. Bottom of the hour, we have Judge Phil Ginn. He is the president of the Southern Evangelical Seminary. We're going to talk about political differences and can we find common ground from both sides of the aisle? (laughs) That's funny, but it is a serious question, and we'll do that here coming up in just a little bit. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, the shoot or the the beatdown that happened in Memphis, Tennessee, on Friday last week. We will talk. uh, I think we're starting to find some unity there. And maybe, just maybe, that could be uh, turned into a positive thing moving forward. We have $4 gas coming up soon, apparently, to some experts. We have the stock market struggling. We have things going on in D.C., which is where we're going to start right here on the program today. What's trending today? Because I don't want to waste any time. Really happy to have this guy back on the program. He's a great personal friend, a great friend to the radio station. He's my senator here in the state of Kansas. Excited to have from Washington, D.C., live with us today, U.S. Senator Roger Marshall. Senator, how are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Hey Andy, I'm, I'm doing great. It's a great time to be in Kansas, by the way. It it is a great time of the year, Senator. I don't know what's going on. We have a little bit of a, a sketchiness in the in the phone line there, but uh, so we can barely hear. But yeah, it's it's great time to be in Kansas, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs going into the the big game here in a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm excited about that. You guys have been kicking it right out of the gate in Washington D.C. as well, which is amazing. I mean, we've seen not only bills being pushed out of the House of Representatives once we locked in the speakership, but you've been working on bills left and right. From both sides of the aisle in a bipartisanship manner and actually seeing some progress, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think so. I think, you know, we've got a bill that's kind of combatting pent We're trying to get the social media companies.
0: Yeah, there is some hope. Let's start off with some of the agricultural stuff in the farm bill, like you mentioned. Last time I heard, we were a bit behind on the farm bill that's supposed to come up by, what, the end of this year or the end of next year. So it's coming up relatively soon. Are we making progress on it? And what changes could we see when it comes to agriculture, which right now seems to be a big deal? We have inflation that's skyrocketing. We have prices of food that's all over the place. We have the global markets causing issues. We have egg prices that are up near three, three times higher than what they normally are. Where are we when it comes to agriculture? Culture. Right, Andy. So 80% of the farm bill is for nutrition, for staff dollars. And thanks to inflation, thanks to Joe Biden's inflation,
1: the staff budget grew up. We budgeted at $80 billion a year spending $130 billion. a <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely to that. There is, and I know Oklahoma's working on a a bill at the statewide level. What are we doing at the federal level right now with obvious concerns about the country of China, the purchasing of land and agricultural land across the nation from the foreign entities? are we? Is that still a focal point in Washington right now, or is that kind of a state-by-state basis?
1: We do have legislation.
0: Yeah. Man, it's it's a work in progress on that one. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the debt ceiling. The, the announcement came out, which is hilarious. We were three weeks into the month of January. We got nine more months to go before we run out of our federal uh, fiscal year for 2023. And we're already... Out of money, Senator. The 1.7 trillion dollar absurd omnibus package just already bankrupted us, and they're asking for more money. The Biden administration says it's even non-negotiable for us to even talk about spending cuts. We just have to raise the debt ceiling. Is what we just need to do here. Is there any chance that we could actually, you know, strong arm the Democrats at least make them do a little bit of a cut and hold our ground in saying we cannot keep raising this debt ceiling? It's good to hear uh, because it's desperately needed. We've talked about the increase in the debt and the in the federal debt overall year over year when this started, what, just a few years ago, and we've seen it double and triple yearly almost or over a, over a short period of time compared to what we've seen throughout the rest of the history of this country, and it, it's scary to see how far we're going, and they have no care. They don't care. They just want to keep seeing it just raised and, oh, well, let's just have an unlimited, let's just completely remove a debt ceiling altogether so we can spend as much as we want, and I, that's completely unsustainable and it's kind of crazy to think that they're okay with that. Exactly. And if you were having a discussion with my friends across the office, they'd really It's the vicious cycle, of the hamster wheel. We're we'll talking with U.S. Senator Roger Marshall from the state of Kansas here in my home territory. Uh, I saw the announcement that you had partnered up with Senator Ted Cruz from the state of Texas as well to introduce a term limits bill. I know that was one of the conversation points in the House as they were negotiating with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, on trying to at least present term limits. Uh, I'm not personally optimistic it's going to get through the Senate with the Democrat control or with the Biden administration, but at least we're talking about it. Uh, with where is this setting right now, and how optimistic are we about this? This is at least awesome we're discussing it.
1: Well, and I'm not very optimistic about going anywhere, but, it's true, but at least we're talking
0: about it. So many problems, even more problems than I've ever in The longer you're So it's Yeah, and convention of states is a big one that I think other states are discussing as well. Kansas, for some reason, we have a tough time trying to get on board with that one, but we're seeing a lot of other states show some enthusiasm. And Maybe this year we can make it happen in our state legislature, uh, but term limits, you're right, it's not going to come anywhere from internally right now. I personally think it needs to be term limits for not just the elected officials, but also for those on the administrative side as well, because they can continue their agenda even with the elected official out of office. I mean, wouldn't that be an idea? Oh, okay. Every single time. There's never been a time in history where it hasn't. we got a couple minutes left with you here, Senator, and I really appreciate your time uh, with us. But i got to shift gears a little bit to the World Economic Forum and the comments that we've seen from not just there, but also with the company of Pfizer, where they've talked about apparently with the leaking of the potential gain-of-function research to make COVID worse in order to continue to sell uh, the COVID-19 vaccinations. And I know you guys well, as well have looked at trying to do some type of investigation, especially in the House side and some of their committees on Dr. Fauci on the gain of function, on where we're at with COVID. Is the World Health uh, Organization still says that it's a major pandemic that we need to be concerned about? China's still locked down. Where are we with some of this? And do you think we could start getting some answers here? I feel like we're still pretty water. At the point, we've tried to pass legislation. Senator Roger Marshall from the state of Kansas We're right of time, my friend, but keep up the fight you got so much good stuff going on We absolutely love you being up there We'll chat with you again here real soon, brother okay. Okay. Hey, always a pleasure that you have Senator Roger Marshall from the state of Kansas Lots more coming up, stay here
2: With Andy Hoosier for freedom every day.
0: This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Man, I'm bummed. I'm really bummed. That was, I don't know how bad it was going over the radio. I could hear definitely the static going on in my headphones with the phone line. I think I got it fixed. Had to do a little behind the scenes maintenance, rebooting some stuff over here to make sure the phone lines were back at it for our next guest at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so hopefully it was at least somewhat audible for you. What great content. So if you missed it, if you didn't like it, if it sounded way too bad, I'm going to try and do some post-production cleanup on it before we upload the podcast after the program so that way you can hear what he said because U.S. Senator Roger Marshall is a... Knocks it out of the park every time. I absolutely love that guy. He's wonderful. I'm so, so happy that he represents me here in the state of Kansas, where we're hailing him from with our flagship radio station. So we talked about some egg stuff with the farm bill. Obviously a big one if you want some food on your table, wherever you may be, even if you're not a farmer in the rural communities. We have the uh, t- the investigations on Fauci, COVID-19, and Pfizer with the gain-of-function issues, the debt ceiling, and a heck of a lot more that he's working on. So uh, lots of stuff that we covered. And again, ah, it breaks my heart. Hopefully we can get that sound to be all right in the post-production. So uh, what do you do? It's live radio, and stuff like that will happen every once in a while. Coming up in a few minutes here at the bottom of the hour, we have Judge Phil Ginn. He's the president of the Southern Evangelical Seminary. We'll talk about and some other stuff as well. Real quickly, in our What's Trending of the Day, What's Trending Today? As we covered with some of it with U.S. Senator Roger Marshall, we have a lot of stuff obviously happening in Washington, D.C. Some different bills that have been presented. One of them last week included the fair tax. Ever hear of the fair tax? Getting rid of the income tax, state income tax, or not state, I guess it would be federal, federal income tax. And just doing consumption tech straight up, as there's a new bill that has been presented by the House of Representatives, Republican Congressman Buddy Carter from the state of Georgia last week, as he has presented this apparently every year. But now that we have Republicans open to having conversations on a more conservative basis, it seems like that might gain some momentum. Now, if it goes through the House, again, it probably won't go anywhere else. So we need to be realistic here. But it was presented, it is being discussed. And it's open for negotiation. Democrats, of course, losing their minds, saying that the fair tax would be horrible because it would hurt low-income individuals who are already struggling. Yeah, yeah. Just to be clear. Yes, the low-income individuals would then have to, uh, and I hate to say this, they would have to contribute to society. I, I know, I know. Financially, I'm not saying they don't contribute in some way, shape, or form, but contribute financially because it's a consumption tax based on how you consume goods in the general public. Now, I think that food should still be exempted from that because that's a basic necessity: food and food and liquids, food and water, except for alcohol. Although I'd be totally okay if alcohol was exempted from that list of sales tax, it wouldn't be, but I would be totally okay with that. The adult beverages, but. If you have less income, you obviously would be buying less things, which means you would still contribute some, but you would contribute less. If you have a lot of money, then you would contribute more because you would be spending more things, whether it's just basic, you know, uh, phones or whether it's a yacht, you would be spending more based on what you consume in the private market. That's how the system's supposed to be. This is what Carter had to say regarding the bill.
2: We can take that one step further now. We can do away with the Internal Revenue Service altogether. You would be in charge now. You would decide if you want to buy something, and when you buy it, you're going to have to pay taxes on it.
0: Now, the Republican bill is proposing a fair tax at 30 percent, essentially removing the IRS, removing the federal income tax and starting sales tax at 30 percent. I think that's a little bit high, although that's essentially what we pay in federal income taxes right now for many individuals across the nation. So uh, while that may be high... I'm okay with starting there because you know what Democrats are going to do? This is maybe, hopefully, possibly, Republicans actually starting a long-term conversation of saying, hey, if you don't like the 30% fair tax, let's negotiate. Come to the table and we can find a happy middle ground. And whether it's 25%, 20%, 15%. Because if they say that they don't want it to harm low-income individuals, cool. But guess what? You still need to contribute some. Let's do this other states are working on flat taxes or fair taxes as well getting rid of the income tax or just making it flat across the board maybe this is the year where we clean up the irs and clean up our tax system in the nation lots more coming up stay here
2: this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier
0: When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn skippy it is. Welcome back into the program. Happy Monday to you. Hopefully you had a fantabulous weekend. Always oh, great to have you along for the ride today. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the program. What's up? Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag, and by golly, we're doing the best we can. There's so much to talk about, so little time. We could go on about the fair tax proposal at the federal level. We have $4, $4 gallons of gas that are apparently on the horizon again. What up with that? We have this latest poll that I find kind of interesting. That's kind of a nice segue into our next conversation. According to the latest Gallup polls, more cite the federal government as the top problem in the United States. Wait a second. Hold on here. Hold on here. Now, according to the Biden administration, if you remember, he says that people just want the government just to take care of them, right? Most people, the vast majority of Americans, are hoping... That their government just takes care of their problems. (laughs) Now, apparently, that's uh, what he says, while most people say that the government is actually the problem with most of the issues going on today. To talk about some more of that and a heck of a lot more, happy to have this guy on the program again. What's trending today? For our uh, first time back in 2023, it's been a little bit since we've had him on. He is the president of the Southern Evangelical Seminary. Excited to have back on the program Judge Phil Ginn. Phil, how are you, my friend? Happy New Year.
2: Doing great, Andy. Hope you are. Uh, we're from the government. We're here to help you, right?
0: That's right. Yeah, we're here to help you. I mean, Biden just says he just want we just want government to take care of our problems. If we could just kick back, we could just enjoy an adult beverage or two. The government will just handle everything. We don't need to go to work. Absolutely. They'll just take care of us.
2: Absolutely, they've done such a good job with everything they have touched. So why <laughs> shouldn't we? Uh, why shouldn't we try?
0: Yeah, yeah. I t- we were going to say that everything they touch turns to gold, but I think it turns into something else, so we'll just uh, kind of move along from there. Uh, it's it's wild that well, people... people, Merle,
2: people Merle Haggard song, we're going to be drinking that free bubble up and eating that rainbow stewy <laughs> just any day
0: now. That's right. That's right, man. Uh, the wild part is that people still believe that the government is the answer. Now, I, I use this uh, this analogy that there are two types of progressives. There are the ones that have their hearts in the right place. They think that they truly are doing something good when it comes to helping people with social programs and with the government handouts. Their heart's in the right place because they truly want to do something good. They're just being misled to do it in the wrong way. Then you have those, majoritively those in power, that know that it's wrong, know that it's not going to do anything, but it sounds really good for the PR stunt. It keeps them in power, and it helps control those that they get to play like a fiddle. Is that about a good summation between the two?
2: Yes, sir. It is. Um, you know, I I grew up as a preacher's kid in in uh, rural uh, South and in North Carolina, and uh, it was fairly often that that a crowd of family in a, in a car would come and and seek a handout because there really wasn't any Department of Social Services to speak of at that time, and mm. and my mother would be there, and and uh, I remember as a child that she always had chores for them to do, and. Maybe it was just nothing more than uh, taking clothes in off the line or what have you. But then she would give them more food than they could than they could eat and whatever help they needed. But what happened was it allowed those individuals to keep their dignity. It wasn't a handout. Yeah. Uh, they had earned it, and that's what that's what we're missing in America today.
0: That is true. Let's let's find ways where we can actually find some common ground, which is very difficult to do, because obviously we have the belief that we just talked about compared to the Bernie Sanders type of let's just get a free handout and let's just hate people that are rich, uh, which there is a lot of people. I think this is the new quote unquote type of racism, the new type of division, the new type of identity politics isn't going to be the white versus black, although we'll get to some of that with some of the issues going down in Memphis here in a minute. But there's I don't think that's going to be the future Of division, I think it's going to be more of the "you're rich or you're not rich." So therefore, let's go ahead and take your wealth and redistribute it. I mean, would you agree with that?
2: I do, but it's kind of ironic that a lot of these uh, uh, folks that are that are so uh, just crazy about this stuff are are nothing more than trust babies, and they're mostly white. And that's just it's so ironic to me, the ones that are so uh, violent a lot of times with Antifa that come in and, and cause all these ruckus, you know, you take their hoods off and, and they're white rich kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, apologizing for their whiteness, which is which is kind of strange. I, I am yeah. always the eternal optimist, though. I like to see the positive side of things, and while it's terrible what we saw down in Memphis with this Tyree Nichols who was beat by police, not a racist thing because obviously it was black cops that are getting in trouble for this. It was just them abusing power that they had. Uh, there are protests going on down there, but I, I almost think that maybe this could be the uniting factor for many who maybe hate cops many who are in minority communities that are skeptical about law enforcement because everybody including law enforcement including the police chief and the and the uh, sheriff from that area are coming out um, that are condemning the actions of these officers our local police chief here in the Wichita area where I hail from he also condemned it this is maybe a uniting factor where everybody can come together and say hey Maybe this crap needs to stop, and maybe we don't need to abuse people and just beat them up for having a power and authority over them.
2: Well, the first thing I want to say is I, I've spent most of my life in and amongst uh, law enforcement, and and by far and away, uh, law officers are good people. Yes, um, there are there are with as it is same within any profession or any uh, job title, there are those who don't deserve. Uh, to, to be called law enforcement officers hmm. uh, and it's imperative that we find out who those are and that we call them before we have issues like what's going on now in Memphis yep. or what has transpired in Memphis so sure. that's not always possible to do but but i hope that that's going to be one of those things that we we need to look at and and find out uh you know how we how we improve uh the quality of our law enforcement how we provide those good quality law enforcement individuals with adequate resources to be good cops. Yeah, I mean, so many of your deputy sheriffs, uh, if they've got a couple of kids, they're living at poverty wages. Um, and it's hard to attract the best kind of uh, well-trained kind of individuals that we need into yeah. that kind of a job. It's a thankless job to begin with.
0: It's a great point, and we're seeing national uh, numbers of people trying to apply to become law enforcement decline rapidly because of, like you said, the low pay, yeah. the low benefits, and then with the heat that they get and being hated on every step of the way. I mean, I wouldn't want to apply and actually be go into that industry. As rewarding as it is personally, because you feel good doing the right thing, it's a scary industry, and right now I don't think a lot of people are saying, hey, that's my first choice of what I want to go do. Uh,
2: look, I... I I'm not providing any excuses for, for one's tra- what transpired in, in Memphis. From all indications, that was the travesty of justice and should be dealt with accordingly. Yeah. Um, but we we put young people out there. We don't train them well. We don't pay them well. And, and honestly, quite honestly, if they pulled the trigger one second too late, they're dead. If they pulled the trigger one second too early, they're murderers. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a lot to put on uh, folks under those circumstances.
0: That is very true. We're talking with uh, Judge Phil Ginn. He's the president of the Southern Evangelical Seminary, which you can find online at ses.edu. Let's talk about the political side of things, finding common ground with the latest polls showing that the vast majority of Americans think that government is the problem. What's the solution to that? Is it uh, individuals that are turning maybe third party and going independent because it's the two-party system corrupting? Is it the people just walking away from politics altogether and saying, I can't deal with this crap anymore because I can't believe anybody? What do you think is going to lead to this here?
2: Well, it it even goes further than that, Andy, in the fact that uh, if you interview a Republican, he thinks the Democrats are are the (laughs) worst thing that's ever happened to the country and if you interview a democrat they obviously think the republicans are are fit that uh, mold yeah so it, it's showing the great divide that is occurring right now in our country you've got probably uh, by my uh, calculations maybe five or six percent of the populace in this country that decide elections uh nationwide right. because i say that Because you've got so many others who are so entrenched in their positions that they're not going to change. And so you've got, you've got maybe a malleable five, maybe 10% out there, uh, if you're really generous that, that actually can be swayed one way or the other. And what I see is that it's twofold. Number one, if, if you remove God out of the equation, then chaos ensues. And I have opined that, that we have begun uh, very clearly in this country, and we're well down the path of erasing what I have defined as the godline in this country. Um, I have a lot of friends, and, and I won't argue with them really, who, who say that America was created as, an Ameri- as a Christian nation. I, I don't really subscribe to that uh, belief because— uh, uh, I think our nation was founded on the moral values that transcend all faith, particularly those uh, which are theistic in nature. Sure. Um, I will certainly say that Christianity has been the conscience of America all these many years and has, uh, up until recently at least, done a pretty good job of, of that. But now we see, as we erase that godline that that very moral fiber that held us together uh, is disappearing, and so we have simultaneously and unfortunately uh, destroyed the very glue of our society when we erase that godline. Mm,
0: that's a great point. we got to take a hard break here, so hang on the line. I want to continue this conversation, but you're right. I mean that uh, regardless of even the political or the, the religious view, if it was a different religion, at least there was a higher power realm, kind of a boundary of what kept us together, as you mentioned, that fabric of society, and when that go- went away, which we've started to see deteriorate Over the last few years, then those lines, that barrier of keeping everything solid and together have slowly but surely begun to crumble and deteriorate, leaving really the madness that we have today. Because even if we disagreed politically, at least we had some type of moral or ethical line that we all agreed on to find common ground. And it's getting hard to find some of that in today's times which is kind of sad and we're seeing some of the destruction and madness in the world today when we come back i want to continue this conversation with judge phil ginn with the southern evangelical seminary on how do we fix that what do we do to move forward and make it better and maybe bring us back to those roots whatever those may be it's a monday it's the voice of reason lots more to get to stay right here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier
2: Fighting for freedom every day. The
0: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Boy, oh boy, does it just fly right on by. It's so much fun that we don't even remember where it went. Welcome back in. Last few minutes here on the program for a Monday's episode of The Voice of Reason. By the way, as a quick reminder for you, we are coming up to the end of the month, which means we also have our newsletter coming out here. I'm going to say Monday of next week to give you just a little bit of time to sign up if you've not done so yet. Go to the website who's your reason.com. that's h o o s e r reason.com it'll pop up and say do you want to become a hoosier holic you say uh yeah become a hoosier holic and we'll send you a welcome email and then we'll send you our once a month newsletter we will not spam you it's totally free you don't have to worry about bombarding your email which I get a lot of those, man. i got to clean out my email and all the stuff I didn't even remember subscribing for. But uh, you can get it. We have our blog. We have the updates with the show, some of the guests we've had on the program, what's coming up with the show, and, of course, the Hoosier Media Network as well with some of the podcasts that we work with and produce and try to promote uh, through our network. But uh, go to the website, HoosierReason.com. And sign up now. Right now, we're hanging out with uh, Phil Ginn, president of the Southern Evangelical Seminary, which you can find at ses.edu. How to find common ground in today's radical, wild, crazy times with the divide-and-conquer mentality that we see from so many in the world. Now, uh, Phil, I remember when I was a kid, and I obviously was not able to hold this because I'm a talk radio host, but uh, they always told me never to talk about religion or politics at the dinner table because it could offend individuals. Keep your opinions to yourself i was horrible at that uh for obvious reasons but do you think as well that maybe that's why we're starting to see the the fabric of the family relationship fall apart because we're not our kids aren't hearing us have these conversations aren't coming to conclusions on their own instead they're just hearing people rant and rave and get angry and either tune out completely or just go along with it without actually doing their own research
2: well let me let me say this um Andy, uh, I think we've redefined uh, tolerance, the word tolerance, as a part of our erasure of the guideline. The concept of tolerance used to be that you and I might disagree on something that's fairly basic, Uh, and yet we could value one another as human beings and continue to have good relationships one with the other and and have fun together and, and do all sorts of things together. Uh, and even perhaps uh, try to talk each other into uh, changing our opinion about something. And that uh, actually helped to sharpen our uh, our thought processes in in discussing civilly uh, the differences that existed among us. That was good for us. But now tolerance has been uh, redefined so that uh, if you disagree with me on, say, one out of 100 different topics, then we're bitter enemies. Uh, and there are, there is no ground for discussion civilly and no ground for compromise. Uh, and, and this is even in non-essential situations. Obviously I'm not calling on people to compromise on, on basic beliefs and that sort of thing. But, but still, um, uh, you know, if you go and, and you talk to somebody about, uh, faith matters, then all of a sudden, uh, you're, uh, you're labeled uh, as this or that. And, and certainly a second class citizen. I noticed that, uh, uh, scientists who, uh, who are also Christians are, are uh, uh, viewed as being uh, less smart than their counterparts who don't profess Christ. So those are all things that are there. What that boils down to though, uh, is that uh, if you and I disagree, have a differing opinion on something, what I'm really going to do, Andy, is I'm going to try to get in power so I can force my opinion on you before you get in power to force your opinion on me. <laughs> And that's exactly what's happening in the halls of our Congress right
0: now. From both sides, yeah.
2: From both sides.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly where it's at. we got about just a minute here, but that leads right into the concern of the other side, the the progressive side of the aisle, saying that uh, when it comes to religious views, that now there's this new threat from Congresswoman Lauren Boeber and others, saying that there is now this thing called Christian nationalism trying to po- impose Christian views onto those that don't want them is that a threat and then about 45 seconds to a minute I mean is that something that's really going on here
2: uh no I I I, I think that is an overblown uh, reaction to uh to throw the attention of folks to another area uh, the truth of the matter is that we need to be uh, uh meeting people where they are as they are with the gospel yeah. Um we're we're not gonna force change on anybody. We need fit parts of people. Uh that's the only thing. Yeah. Yes, we're not gonna change the most of people without changing parts.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I completely agree. It is the deflection from the left because whenever they get in trouble for something they have to try and find a way to point fingers at the other side of the aisle. We're making ground. We're winning. And when we have the conversations and when we let the young generation know and everybody else know that there is something out there, then guess what? We can start finding that common ground again. It is Phil Ginn, the Southern Evangelical Seminary. SES.edu is the website. Uh, Phil, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Happy New Year. We got to get you back on the program again soon.
2: I'd love to come back and I'd like to talk about young people now who who perhaps are looking
0: for I like that. We'll do that next time when we get you on the program. That does it for us today. It's a Monday. Everybody have a wonderful Monday afternoon.